Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm -hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh. and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 472, Two Calls, with Mark Prudham and Harold Knight. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is actually packing his bag to head north. And I'm your co-host and the guy who just got done skinning some rabbits. All right. Yeah, whacked me a cottontail today. Did jump in front of the truck? No. I went for about an hour and a half, and I took my turkey gun, actually. I'm still trying to get used to this holographic sight type thing with the red dot, mm-hmm. or in my case, the amber dot. And... Took it with a modified choke, didn't have a turkey choke in, obviously, and some dove loads, and went and shot me a rabbit. I figured that was about as good a practice as a moving turkey as I could find. Yeah. So, got two rabbits, skinned them out. Gonna make probably a rabbit fricassee here in a little while, you know, maybe after Nash Vegas this weekend. Nothing better than a little rabbit fricassee to keep the soul warm before our first turkey hunt of the year. Darn tootin'. Well, very good. That's awesome. 
Yeah, so you're ready to go. When will let's go ahead and get this out of the way for our listeners. When will you be in Nashville at the convention? I will be in Nashville at the convention probably before most people listen to this episode. So, so Thursday I'll, morning. I will be there Thursday morning. The plan is to roll into town around ten thirty and just I'll be everywhere on Thursday. I'll be everywhere on Friday and Saturday as well. So if you guys want to try to catch up with me, message me on IG and we'll arrange a meeting place and we'll make it happen. Heck yeah. I'll, I will be there Friday afternoon, still to be determined on whether that's early or late afternoon. I do have a meeting I have to do locally that morning, but I will leave as soon as possible to get there and i will also be there all day saturday probably the thing i'm looking forward to the most besides hanging out with you and tammy for our indian dinner that night friday night is the literature seminar that brent rogers has organized with several authors yeah that ought to be a good one so there's actually three or four of the seminars that i looked at that i thought hey this is going to be really good you know and yeah and I'm not knocking any of the seminars at all, but, you know, some of them I've seen the presenters now. Oh, gosh, how long have I been going to seminars at NWTF? Seven, eight years, something like that. So, you know, I've been seeing them for seven or eight years and I'm not going to tell you I don't like them because the people I'm thinking of are just awesome people and they're going to do a great seminar. but there's some new ones that are coming out that I think are going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, no doubt. The The one I'm talking about will be Saturday at 3 o'clock for any listeners who hear this and are headed to Nashville. It's going to be Saturday at 3, and it's going to – I know Doc Weddle, Chip Gross, who we had on, who Home at Last is a Hunter was his book, had the hunting accident. He'll be there. Sarah Clark, who wrote a book called Clark It, her, and I think a couple more authors. So. That's going to be a cool one for me. I'm, you know, as a book collector, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one and, and many more. Like you said, I feel like the seminars this year specifically look pretty good. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, there was, of course, a lot of this was coming out of COVID and stuff. It felt like they, they weren't quite as good maybe a couple of years ago when I came. But uh, I'm thinking this year's is going to be great. Yeah. You know, I think there were there was one year right after COVID that I don't believe they had any. So, well, they had the, you know, we went virtual for a year. It was just kind of all jacked up for like it two was. Years. Yeah. But and it's then, back, baby. Yeah. Now we're back full force. So, looking yeah. forward to that. Hope to see you guys there. We will be wandering around. So, if you hear us, that's probably us. You'll probably recognize the voice, but hmm. we'll be wandering, talking to folks. We'll be in a lot of those seminars. So, if you're in the, you know, going to listen to one of the seminars and you see us, we're usually up there talking to the people, seeing if we can record it beforehand. So you'll probably see us doing that and come by and say hello. We'd love to love to meet you guys. Love seeing y'all. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, good. Cool. You know, speaking well, of seminars. Yeah, we got you are going to share with us the seminar from it's Harold Knight and Mark Prudham doing a tube call seminar, right? Yes. From Unicoi. And- this is from Unicoi, and after this seminar, I can't tell you the number of people that I talked to that you know, we were talking about the seminar, and they were like, man, that was that was just really good. I mean, you're talking about 
two amazing turkey callers and you know getting them in the same seminar running calls is quite the treat but you know there's some nuggets dropped along the way as well so this one's a a good one and you know it's it's a little bit long so what do you think you want to jump in and go with it let's hop in there and go with it after we make mention of two things do it we have got our website set up on shopify if you want any merchandise to rep at the nwtf convention doubt you'll have it by then but once you see the t-shirts andy and i are wearing at the convention you're going to want them so you might as well go and buy them so click the link in the show notes to go to Shopify, check out the store, get you a coffee mug, get you a notepad, get you a t-shirt, sweatshirt, hat, everything. Outside of that, we also always are offering bonus content, offering live Zoom chats, and offering the opportunity to ask future guests questions on the podcast to our Patreon members. So you can go to the link in the show notes and become a member of Patreon. We would greatly appreciate that. So would love it if y'all would check those two things out. Let's get in here and talk turkey with two legends. We'll see you guys on the other side. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this, I'm Harold Knight, and this is Mark Padone right here. Or Prudem, or however you want to pronounce his name. <laughs> I, I've known Mark a long time, still can't pronounce his name. <laughs> but that's nothing unusual for anybody from Kentucky. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I appreciate the opportunity to get to, to come up here today. Mark and I have been talking about the seminar here, what we're going to do. You know, we like for y'all to participate in it as much as you can. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's hard to, in an hour's time to go over all the turkey hunting tips and things that you might want to know. But uh, feel free to ask a question when the time comes. And we're going to go over a few calls here today. We're going over the tube call. And uh, Mark here has got, uh, I call it the wing bone call, and everybody else calls it something else, but it's always a wing bone call to me, the suction call, and uh, he's going to demonstrate that. And I think Mark, I, without a doubt, in my travelings and hunting and been around a long time, this is 67 years I've turkey hunted, 67 years, Mark Perdon might be the best all-around game caller in the world. I, I, I say that every time I'm around him. He amazes me how good he is. And he's won many a championship. He's not only a good caller, folks, he's a dang good hunter, too. And when you can put those two combinations together, I try to keep him off my land. <laughs> but anyway, we, we, uh, I'm going to let Mark do a little talking here. We're going to do a little calling. And don't be afraid to ask questions. My gosh, we want to try to answer all the questions you can. I'm going to tell you something, too. Just because I've hunted all these years and watched lots of turkeys being killed and, and killed myself, them suckers humble me every year, so don't think I've got all the answers. That's the reason I like to turkey hunt. I have not totally figured them out. And if you think you have, you're wrong. I broke my speech of many a night laying in bed. What I'm going to do the next day, and buddy, I changed that speech the next day, and I got up when he made a fool out of me. All right, Mark. <clears throat> I just want to say that what he said, one thing he said is true. He uh, he don't want me on his land because every time I hunt with him, we hunt somebody else's land. <laughs> <laughs> no, I <clears throat> I've enjoyed a lot of years with Harold and David, and uh, hunted with them and. Uh, 
it, it's a uh, it's pretty neat experience. You know, I grew up like a lot of y'all uh, watching Harold and David and, and learning from them, but to get to go with them and spend a lot of time with Harold over the years, uh, being a Night and Hill pro staffer from way back, uh, you know, just being around them and I, I've tried to soak it all up and uh, I can tell you right now <clears throat> I've always said Harold is the best all-around game caller because I have I've not found anything that he can't run but uh, the, the main thing is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what y'all want to hear so please ask questions um, and, and like Harold said we we don't know everything I mean as long as he's been hunting and as long as I've been hunting I still learn things, and I still <clears throat> have many times the turkeys seem to be much smarter than me. Uh, I've made a lot of mistakes turkey hunting, and I'm hoping that I've learned from those, and maybe I can help you as well. You know, I'd like to start off, you know, doing I'm going to tell you all what I like to do when I go turkey hunting in the morning. What's some of the first things I do? You know, what's some of the first calls that I use? And I've got a, a, some calls probably some of you never would uh, use to turkey hunt to make a turkey gobble. You know, I'll try anything to make a turkey gobble. I don't care what it is. Somebody said, I can take a car door and make him gobble. I said, yeah, but you can't pack it with you. You know, I want something with me where I can try to make him gobble. And we're gonna, I'm going to demonstrate some of that. And, you know, uh, I, I use an owl call. Believe it or not, I'll use a crow call. Crow call is probably my all-time favorite. I use a quail call. It's a hawk call. I'm going to demonstrate that. You know, we ain't got any quail anymore in the United States, hardly. Just a few spots here in the country we have bobwhite quail. I used to love to hunt quail. And uh, I'm going to demonstrate. I, I had a turkey to gobble last year. I had some guy with me from Arkansas. And I would not have got that turkey to gobble if I hadn't. It's the middle of the day. And I blew that hawk call, a high pitch. Boy, he couldn't stand it. He gobbled at us. Of course, I put that hawk call up and got me a little soft call out, and boy, he was ready. You know, when you get a turkey to answer you up in the day, you know, like in the afternoon, and you usually kill that turkey if he gobbles you more than one or two times if you don't scare him. But how many people, do, you know, a lot of states is not hunting in the afternoon. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You ought to get to hunt in the afternoon. You let a working man needs to hunt. He might get off at two or three o'clock and get to hunt that afternoon. Our kids getting off the school bus. I used to get off the school bus and run every step away to the house to get the squirrel hunt or something. He gets off at school at three o'clock. He still got time to go turkey hunting. And I think we ought to get to hunt in the afternoon. And I love to hunt in the afternoon. And matter of fact, it's one of my favorite times to hunt. Probably my favorite time, 10 o'clock in the morning. When that old hen done left the gobbler, she's lonesome she can be, and boy, when she answered me, I, I'm talking about things on them. All right, Mark, what do you want to use first? Use that owl call. Mark Perdone here can blow an owl call, and I ain't getting mine out when he's on the stage. Or when we hunting, I don't get mine out. All right. Well, one one thing that I'm big on, and and it it has to it goes back. To, to everything that I try to do is realism. It doesn't matter if, if you're blowing a crow call, blowing an owl hooter, uh, a diaphragm call, a trumpet, a tube, anything you do, 
you should sound as real as you can. You want to blend into the woods. You want to be a part of the, the area that you hunt. Yeah, you can blow an owl hooter and it sounds somewhat like an owl and they'll gobble at it. But you got to think about what other people are doing. How many times have y'all been hunting on public land or hunting in nearby farm and you hear you can tell a man is over there blowing a hooter you can tell a man in the middle of the day is you know running that crow call try to be as real as you can because them turkeys figure that stuff out too so another thing that I noticed with, with owl hooting is people people just do too much you you, you can you can get a little bit more excited and do a little bit more if the owls aren't answering, I mean if the turkeys aren't answering you. But my goal, my ultimate goal that I'm doing is I want to I want to hear, I want to listen. So I'll just do a short hoot and then I'll listen. I've had turkeys cut me off at one note of an owl call. I've had turkeys that would let me go through a full rendition before they would gobble. But I'm going to give him that opportunity to make the goblet that first sound. And then what I'm going to do, if he won't gobble, I'm, I'm just covering a small area with an owl hooter. So what I want to do is I want to try to get those owls fired up. How many times, I know everybody in here is, is owl hooted and won't answer you over on the next ridge. Well, think about that. You're covering a lot of area. You can hear a turkey gobble a long way. So if you take that owl hooter and you don't get a response, keep calling and sound as much like an owl as you can, get those owls fired up and let them do the work for you and then you just got to sit back and listen. Because I don't know how many times I have been hunting with somebody and, and I'm blowing the hooter and the turkey gobbles and, and then everybody's like, oh, he's over there. You know, you don't, nobody can tell where it's at because you, you're running the hooter. So. What I do is I start off with just a, just a one note. And then I'm going to listen. And I'm going to give him time to gobble. If he doesn't gobble, then I'm going to step it up a little bit. I'm not going to just immediately go to a crow or anything else. If, if I'm hunting with Mark, I don't need to be right beside him. I mm -hmm. need to be out here where I can hear. And that's, that's where a lot of people make mistakes. They get right close and making foot rackets and all that. Get out there where you can hear. So then I'm gonna then I'm gonna try to get a little bit more. I'm still talking to the turkey at this point. And I'm gonna listen. If I don't hear anything, then I'm gonna start talking to the owls. And I'm gonna try to get those owls fired up. I'm going to let them do the work. So I start doing something that's going to get the owls excited. And that's usually that laughing of the barred owl. can sit back and listen to owls because they're going to answer you. They're going to be landing all over you too, but covering a lot of territory after that. What did I tell you about his calling <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the owl call. That, I use the owl call every time I go turkey hunt, usually early in the morning. You can use the owl call on them today. You know, owls holler up in the day, but I go to a crow call 
up in the day. You know, and I, I love a crow call. Most everywhere I hunt in the United States is crows. But I'm going to tell you something. I was in Kansas this fall, and I thought I had crows in Tennessee and Kentucky and some of these states I hunt. But when I tell y'all, I saw 200,000 crows one evening. Not 100,000, 200,000. I said, my gosh, what is these crows? And they flew by me like blackbirds for two and a half hours. And I asked some of them farmers, said, yeah, I said, they'll, they'll get in one big field, they feed them is what they're doing. But they flew by for two solid hours, two and a half hours. I mean, there's over 200,000 crows. When you've got that many crows, you know, turkeys know what a crow is. But a crow call is my favorite call, probably, to make a turkey gobble. And uh, a lot of people, I think, blow a crow call a little too timid. Uh, I like to blow a crow call that, you know, you know, don't get out there and expect a turkey going to answer you going, <coughs> like that, get, put some feeling into it. I mean, feel like you're a crow. You know, <coughs> you know put that feeling into it, and he'll answer that. And he'll answer it most all during the day. Uh, you know, another call I use a lot, a lot of you here, and I, I'm not trying to say anything. I wish I had some of them to sell. I don't have any of them. But this is a quail call I made over 40 years ago. We sold those calls. They're very hard to make. But I kept some of them, and I, st I used one this year, I used one last year, and I'll use one this coming season. And it's a, it's a quail call. Most of you, a lot of people raised up now never hearing a quail, Bob White or, or one whistle, you know, the, a hen will go, and the Bob White, but this is not what I use it for, I use it as a hawk call, that high pitched shrill sound that you don't even hear, sort of like a dog whistle or something, that turkey hears it, and I, he will turn loose and gobble, and it's a, And I use that, but I'll give you some uh, good advice. Don't inhale till you blow out to get the seeds out of it. Because <laughs> I have caught for an hour after I've done that. So, but anyway, that's that's two of the calls that I use. I use alcohol, like Mark is using, and I use these two calls. But another, if I'm hunting around, uh, you know, a lot of places I hunt, it might be a bottom for the Canadian geese. Canadian geese in the spring of the year are mating. You know, they got that double cluck. They go, look, look, look. And I, I take a little tube call like this and, I, and, a, and a goose call with to make a turkey answer. Like, and he'll, he'll answer that call. And that's just a little tube goose call. It's easy to pack. But I tell you what, you gotta watch. You can get rattling with calls. You know, I'll, I'll end up, I notice something every year I'll start out with more calls than I need the first of the season. All y'all just like me, I mean, y'all no different. Y'all got your best full of calls. It's the end of the season, I bet you ain't got half them calls in there. And uh, you probably keep your favorite calls. It might be a box call, it might be a push and pull call, it might be a uh, uh, you know, a slate call or glass call, but you'll have your favorite in there, and you'll always probably have a mouth call. Everybody's mouth calling, and I think uh, the biggest thing about a mouth call that I like is you can put it in your mouth and your hands free. 
I asked the boy here the other day, I said, every time he called, he'd throw his hand up. I said, you ain't hands free you doing that. You're throwing your hand up every time you call. You got your gun up there and you're throwing your hand up. You got to learn to call, you know, your hands down and your mouth shut, you know. But anyway, uh, a mouth call is a good call. But I, I tell you what, I venture to say the people I've hunted around, they blow them way too much. You get too, you get way too loud. You get way too much calling, and these turkeys get used to it. And so, I want Mark here. We've got a, a, a we've been selling today uh, a, some tube calls. We had uh, about 15 or 20 that I've had for 25 years. I brought them for Mark here today to sell, and, uh, and boy, they I mean they went. But the best call, the one I like, is one he makes and selling up here. And we don't have very many left, I'm gonna tell you something. We ain't, I'm not trying to still put a sales pitch to you. I'm telling you something I use. I use this call every year. It's a tube call, and my gosh, that dude will make a turkey answer. I had Mississippi last year struggling. And, and I got that thing out, and boy, it was on. When that turkey answered me, I put it up. I got me a soft call out. It might be that trumpet call that Mark's got. It might be a little mouth call, a real soft or, or slate call. But I, I use something softer to finish him up. I get one start on one thing, I might have to finish him up on something else. All right, take that tube call right there and show them what you've been doing. Well, you know, we're talking kind of locators, talking about different things that'll make a turkey gobble or strike one in the middle of the day. And I use a tube call for that a lot. I will call, I, I mean, most of the time I'm running a trumpet. I use a trumpet call almost exclusively. But um, I really, and, and what Harold, what Harold's not telling you is he pretty much invented the tube call back in the 70s. He probably sold one of the very first tube calls that there was. And uh, we kind of, we kind of got together on this and, and he helped me and we looked at some different designs and um, this is one that we come up with and uh, he's been running it and he's, he calls me every time he kills a turkey with it, tells me how, how uh, you know, what it did and how he fooled him and all that. But he's in the mountains, he's trying to strike birds a long way off and stuff like that. I'm in the swamp flatlands and I'm trying to get birds to gobble a long way too because I can't get to them or maybe I need to you know pine thickets that kind of stuff you know he's he's got that pretty hill country with them hardwoods and I'm in them thick uh, briars and pines where I you know call just don't penetrate that far so what I'll do with a tube call is is just try to locate one shock one and I like I do a lot of cold calling which means I go in a place that I feel like there's a lot of turkeys or have been turkeys at that time, um, whether it's through sign or whether it's birds I've seen. I always start soft with a trumpet, but that doesn't always work. So locating them, trying to figure out where they are, I'll go to the, the tube. Now, I, I'm a so, I like soft calling on a trumpet. I like subtle, soft stuff and like I told you, realism means everything to me. I want to sound as real as I can, not as loud as I can. Tube calls a little bit different. I want to sound as loud as I can, but I also want to keep that realism. 
So when you hear that old hen cutting and she's yelping hard, yelping, um, it fires them up. And there again, you got to listen too. You can't just go into a long assembly yelp and you know and the turkey's gobbling over there. So you kind of run a little short series, do a couple of excited cuts and some hard, hard yelping, and then listen. And then I'm going to listen. And usually they'll they'll hit that pretty hard. If if there's a bird there, it usually gets them excited, whether they got hens or not. And that's the thing. They may gobble at you, and they may give you a you know a courtesy gobble or whatever. Don't mean they're coming. You know that's uh, that's something else you're going to have to deal with. But if you can know where they're at, that's half the battle right there. Um, the way I run a tube call is a little bit different than most people run a tube call. Um, I don't use a lip stop and you know, like I told you Mr. Harold he's been running these things for 50 years but I got him now where he's not hardly running a lip stop and the one thing that I'll say about that is you don't need a lip stop you think you need a lip stop I don't down anybody's call that has a lip stop or anybody that likes to run a lip stop because everybody does their own thing and you do what's comfortable for you for me, it just gives me the option of changing some things, changing some pitches and tones, and running the call a little different. And I'll give you an example of that. When, when you run a call with a lip stop, and like I say, there's nothing wrong with that, it, it locks you into a set position, and that's where you run the call. Luckily, you know, the first sound you make is usually good when you run a lip stop because it puts your lip in exactly the right spot and everything's just right. It helps you to put the latex on. It gives you kind of a guide. But once you get to where you can control the call really good, it gives you the opportunity to change some things. And changing the angle is going to change the pitch. And I'm going to give you an example of that. So I'm going to run a high pitch yelp and then I'm going to drop down into a deeper yelp. And all I'm doing is changing the angle. I'm not changing the air, not changing pressure, just the angle of my lip on the angle of the air going to the call. You can hear that pitch change. <clears throat> Every turkey's not the same. There's turkeys that are going to like that high pitch. Mm -hmm. There's turkeys that are going to like that low pitch. He's hearing hens every day. There's a few hens that he's going to like better than other hens. He may recognize that as a hen that he's heard before. So being able to change that kind of take, when you take that lip stop away, it gives you the opportunity to change and run it differently. So. That's, that's uh, Harold's, probably his... Uh... I apologize for that. <laughs> All right. So, so that's, that's kind of what I like about a tube call and what the versatility. And, you know, he's running, basically, you can run the same call to do the goose. So, I don't know how many times I've used the goose to, to locate turkeys, 
and kill geese too. It's kind of a real versatile call. You can do most anything. You can do sandhill cranes, all kind of different things on a tube, but um, it you, gives you the option. You know, one of the questions asked a lot, how have you changed the uh, membrane, the rubber on these calls? I found out something took me years. I'd put a lanyard around my neck and go to Turkey, I'd be, you know, hustling around, going through limbs and brush. My diaphragm would be wrinkled up or off. So I'd eliminate that. I come up, homemade, I built me a little pill thing here. I put my thing in there, and I have not changed that rubber on that one year. I hunted all last year, and I put it around my neck. When I hear that turkey, I stop, I undo it. It's good, it's not tore up, I take it out. Now, you, I have had to go back after I shot a turkey and find it because I lay it on the ground. So, if, if it, uh, you don't want to call camouflage because you can't find it. But that, that's the idea there, and we're not trying to sell that. I don't even have any sale. You can make, you want it, have a uh, canister and uh, put your little lanyard on it, put it around your neck, and that really helps you. It helps you a lot. And, uh, 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 Another question we have asked—I had asked to me this morning—how often do I use a Kiki run in the spring of the year? Believe it or not, I do. I, I whistle a lot in the spring of the year. I hear lots of turkey hens do it in the spring of the year. It's just not a fall call, you know. Spring of the year, a turkey will whistle a lot of times, and I take a lot of times. It might be a mouth call. Take his little tube call like. You know, whistle back at him. And I use that a lot of times in spring deer too. It's not just a fall call, it's a spring call too. Yeah, the, the key key is, uh, is definitely, uh, you know, how many times early in the spring? Have you had birds that are locked up with hens and got a bunch of birds around them and you call to them and they'll gobble at you but they won't leave the hens and what you know one option is to try to call those hens yeah. and that key key you can you can try to get those hens to come to you if you ever have a situation early in the morning where they're separate you got some birds roosted over here and you got some birds roosted over there a lot of times that key key you'll hear them Kikiing, and you'll hear them on the limb. I've heard them on the limb doing that. And what they're doing is trying to get get together. And and you know they woke, they made it through the night. They're saying I'm here. You got birds over here. I'm not saying they sit up there and just kiki the whole time, but you'll hear that you know early. And then they fly down, and then they get together. So if you can be that hen and bring those other hens to you and bring that gobbler with them. Then that's a that's just another bonus. Mark, I want you to get that trumpet call out, and uh, I want you to. Uh, to me, you know, I've had the opportunity over the years to judge a lot of contests. I've judged the world turkey, Grand National several times, the world duck. I've had listened to a lot of callers, but I have to say that trumpet call would get a high score with me, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's turkey. It, kept, it keeps it low and subtle, and that's a deadly call. And I'll be honest with you, Mark come to me one time and said, I want you to show me how to 
master that tube goose call. I said, if you'll show me how to master that trumpet call, he mastered goose, and I ain't mastered nothing yet in the trumpet, I can tell you. But anyway, I want him to demonstrate this trumpet call. That's a great sounding call. I know he killed or calls lots of turkeys up with it and, and shoots them. Well, I, I, I don't know that, one reason is that's pretty much all I use. I use a trumpet. So, um, you know, probably could have killed the tur same turkey with a diaphragm or any other call. It's a call I enjoy using. I believe in them. I think that there's a lot to a trumpet call. It's, I think there's things that we don't understand about trumpets. I think turkeys respond to them yeah. in ways they don't other calls. I think they have a realism that a lot of people don't realize, um, but the turkeys do. Uh -oh. I've never called a turkey up with a trumpet call, so I ain't no, I don't be looking for me to tell you how to use a trumpet call. Well, there, you know, there, there's, there's, if you hunt only with a trumpet, you kind of have to learn a few tricks and, and little di different things. Um, one of the hardest for me was to learn to call really soft and really get that realism down low. And there's one thing that me and Mr. Harrell disagree on, and I, I, we talk about this all the time, but he don't call the turkeys on the limb. He, he, that's just how he hunts. And hey, he's killed a truckload of turkeys more than I have, but I do call to him on the limb. And I do soft stuff, really soft, and I hear turkeys yelping on the limb, soft yelping, tree yelping. I've heard them, I've heard them get aggressive yelping on the limb. Um, and the only reason I would do it, you know, if I got a if I got a gobbler and he's by himself and I know he's by himself, I probably ain't gonna say anything until he's on the ground. There's just no need to. But if I got hens over here and hens over there, you know, I feel like I'm being left out. I feel like I want to be included in this thing. And maybe I, I've seen, actually seen the time where a turkey is on the limb. You know, sneak in there in the dark, and you sit down, and you look, and you see that bird on the limb. And I have called soft to him, and he spin around. And if I can get him facing my direction, I feel like I, I got a, a little bit better chance. Not necessarily you got him licked, but I'm saying, you know, if he's got his back to me, you know, I don't feel as good about it because I feel like they're gonna pitch down the direction that they're gonna that they're sitting, but. One thing that I'll do is start off, and I've been running these tube calls, so my lips are kind of uh, done, but I'll do the best I can. Um, but I run, I run real soft, and then I try to, I try to give them a, a wake up. I try to think about um, what a turkey sounds like waking up. That first few notes, that first little bit, and then they get a little bit more excited and then they'll fly down and then they get a little more excited. So what I'll start off with is just some tree calling.
Try to sound like more than one turkey if you can. Nothing sets a turkey off better than knowing there's more turkeys over there and there's a party going on. If I can sound like more than one hen, then that's a bonus. And that might be a little clear hen, that might be a little raspier, louder hen, a little more aggressive. got to remember turkeys are having a conversation everything they say means something so have a conversation have a conversation with the hens have a conversation with the gobbler let him hear a conversation let him hear two different hens he it all that does is just make everything more realistic and realism kills turkeys it kills smart turkeys it kills turkeys that have been fooled with that's another thing I hear all the time how hard it is to hunt public land turkeys and it is I've hunted I started I learned to turkey hunt on public land the Francis Marion National Forest and it has more people than turkeys and I can tell you they hear it all they don't hear a lot of trumpets and that's a good thing but one of the hardest things that I do is hunt behind me if I go in there the first of the season and I call up two or three gobblers and I shoot one of them and it took me a while and I had to do some coaxing I done run my tube call I done run my trumpet they've heard everything I got so I gotta change up myself so you gotta think if I, if I got 500 acres and I'm hunting the same bird over and over uh, and he's hearing the same thing over and over and you know you put pressure on that bird and it isn't any different or any easier than killing a bird on public land because if you're going in there regular and I know guys that hunt every morning every evening and they go to the same place and they call to the same bird over and over and over and some people don't have a choice that's the only place you got to hunt that's the only bird you got the only one goblin so remember change it up be more realistic sound like more than one hen does that sound like a turkey y'all this year I'm going to take it on myself to, I've been practicing that trumpet call Mark's been coaching me here I'm going to use that thing so I'm going to call a turkey up with somewhere this year but uh, we we hunt different you know we hunt different areas a lot I, I hunt a lot of hardwood early in the spring we don't have leaves on the trees He's got leaves on his trees down on them pines year-round. But the reason I don't like to call the turkey on a roost a lot of times, that sucker, he, he'll sit up there and gobble for two hours. Instead of me working him, he's worked me. And uh, that, that's what the reason I don't like to call it. Now, if it gets later on the season, the leaves are out, I'll call to him on the roost some. But early in that season, boy, and them little big hardwood trees out I let him fly to the ground before I ever give him much calling. But depends on where you're hunting. And, uh, you know, I've got to hunt a lot of different states. And everywhere I go, uh, people will say, boy, this is the hardest place in the United States to kill a turkey. <laughs> oh, this is. But I'm going to tell you something. What makes a turkey hard to hunt is a pressured turkey. You shoot a, a Jake and miss him, he's going to be tough to 
kill the rest of your if you shoot at a two-year-old he's going to be tougher and if you shoot a three-year-old you ain't going to kill him out here that's that's just about the way it is you know pressure what makes turkey hunting real hard you, uh, your eastern wild turkey to me is your toughest bird to hunt uh, i have run in some places in alabama that i thought it had some extremely wild turkeys i mean they was tough and we've got a place where I'm from in the land between the lakes, it's where I was born and raised in western Kentucky, and that turkey is tough. Now I've hunted old country, and I tell you what, that's a tough bird to hunt. And I, I don't know why exactly. I, I, it's a, the birds has been there ever since been man. They reintroduced some Mississippi and Missouri strain into them. They still they's wild before. They've done that, and they're just as wild after they've done that. I think it might be pressure for what's doing that. Has uh, anybody got any questions? You know, feel free to ask a question. I've had a thousand ask me today. I know dang well some of you got a, a question. Uh, you know, I, I've I've had you now. I can't tell you what all people's asked me today about turkey hunting, and I've had some answers, and then I don't have some answers. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, them suckers humble me. I've said that for a while ago every year. And that's the reason I like turkey hunting. I ain't never figured it out. <laughs> yes, sir. Mark, you've been talking about salt and all. When, if ever, do you cook? Get aggressive. Well, it's kind of like uh, I kind of relate it to uh, I don't run up to you and I see you in Walmart and say hey man how you doing and get up you know loud and start yelling and stuff like that um, you gotta start soft you can always this is now like Mr. Harold said this is just my opinion I don't have all the answers either I've, I've been whipped and everywhere I've been but to me you can always escalate you can always get louder but if you start off loud, it's really hard to, to paint that picture to get back soft. Because you've already, you, you, I have watched turkeys and seen turkeys where I, I maybe thought they were far off, they couldn't hear me real well, and I get aggressive and call to them, and they do that little wing set, and then they walk off kind of looking, looking back, going away they don't like it so the main thing is never try to offend the turkey start really soft give him something that you he has no reason to get upset about soft turkeys make noise all day long if you had a flock if you were walking with a flock of turkeys all day long you would hear turkeys every minute making some kind of a sound it doesn't upset anything everybody's feeding you don't see heads going up you hear purring and you hear soft yelping which I believe and this is just my opinion again I see all these TV people you know nobody's done more TV than Mr. Harold but I see it all the time these guys are on there purring 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 to, to me when you purring you ought to be shooting that's right you 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 can do this. you can say the exact same thing but you're you're portraying a content turkey that that is happy satisfied you can do the exact same thing with a soft yelp 
same thing when you hear turkeys when you see turkeys feeding yeah they're going to be purring but they're also going to be that little just soft so start off there if you're not getting a response if you can see the bird um, watch how he acts how he responds if you see a bird if you call to him soft and he just keeps feeding and you get a little bit more and then you see that tail fan kind of go up like that and then go back down I'm gonna kind of get on him then I'm gonna try to get that tail fan back up and get him excited where he wants to come to me I tell you when I cut I hunt a lot of big pieces of land I mean uh, one piece of ground to hunt is a hundred and eighty five thousand acres I get in my truck I learned this I was one of the first ones to do this but now a lot of people picked up on it I get in that truck I drive I get out and cut as loud as I can and if he asks me more than twice I go to him if he asks me one time I say that's a courtesy you gobble <laughs> I ain't wanting him uh, I hunted with uh, Ronnie Strickland a couple years ago and he had that old tube call and it, it, it's just like it's on this microphone here it's loud my gosh you could hear it for miles he got a tank of turkey dancer just as good as we could hear and we go to him I said Ronnie give it to him again and then we got to him we softened up and called the turkeys up and killed them but uh, you know that that's when it works when you know turkeys a long way away you can cut real loud and make him gobble give his location away and then try to get on him and soft call it but these times I really like to bear down and cut loud to him all right, any other question? That's a good question. Yes, sir. You were talking about how you can educate a turkey, and like you said, one jake or two-year-old, three-year-old. How long do you think that memory of that education lasts? Do you think it laps over into the next year, or that turkey lives to be three, four, five years old, and you still think they have that memory, or do you think it kind of resets after a certain period of time? I don't know. I, if I shoot a, a bird, he wants to know, how long can they remember, you think? You know, if I shoot at a two-year-old, gosh, he's educated the rest of the year. Man, he's tough to call up. Uh, I don't know if they can rem how they can remember from one year to the next. I don't know that. But, uh, you know, what do you think about that, Mark? Well, there again, it's my opinion. But I, I tell you what I believe, and I've watched. There, there is a... There's a show, many of you probably saw it, My Life as a Turkey or whatever, where the guy raised the turkeys. He took those turkeys out and he walked with them every day. And he would get to a place. I, long, what I'm trying to get at is I believe turkeys remember. They don't, they, they're not, they don't remember all this stuff like people think, but they associate something bad happening at a certain spot, at a certain thing happening so this guy would take these turkeys for a walk and they would go through the woods and one day he encountered a rattlesnake by this stump right so the turkeys all spooked and they all kind of went around the rattlesnake they encounter snakes all the time things like that they encounter bobcats coyotes all that all the time so from then on when he would take them for a walk they got to that stump or that whatever they would go around whether it was a snake there or not they just they associate things happening in certain spots that means if I miss a turkey at a crossroads or at a you know whatever 
I'm not going to set back up in the same place and try to call that turkey back to the same exact spot. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to come at him from a different way. I'm going to use a different call. I shot at a turkey one time and missed him. Just flat out missed him in a field. I called him all the way across the field. And I could not get that turkey to come back across the field. I hunted him for several weeks after that. And I finally realized I went around the other side, changed to a different call, changed the way I approached him. And it, it made all the difference in the world. I killed him. Now, I believe, this is just me now, but I believe when, when, I, when I hunt a turkey, I tell myself I got one opportunity, one shot at this thing. Got to get it right. So I want to make a presentation, and I want everything right. I want to be sitting in the right spot. I want to be in a place where he wants to come to, and I want to be in a and I want to call to him at the right time. And a lot of people just go through the woods calling, calling, and walking around and doing all the stuff. But I want to sit down and make a presentation, and I want everything. You know, if I was trying to get you to do something, and you know, whatever. I would I would try to present it in a way that it would be appealing to you and I wouldn't want to say something that wouldn't be so that's what I want to do with that turkey I want to make sure that he is everything is right before I make the first call I don't I don't even want to call to him until I'm where I need to be or I'm in a position to get to where I need to be I don't put myself in a corner where well if he comes halfway and stops I can't move because I'm I'm wide open here so that's kind of the way I look at it. All right, any other questions? Yes, sir. Right in the very back. What about this myth about you can't call the turkey downhill or you can't call him across the spring? <laughs> I've called them downhill and I've called them across <laughs> rivers. And I've had them just hang up and not come to me. You know, I think it's just a situational thing. It, uh, you know, it just depends. On that turkey and terrain you hunt. I one time I was hunting in Montana on the Milk River, and and that river's fairly wide, and it's not real wide, not like the Mississippi or nothing like that. But we call several turkeys. We they we come to the bank, they walk around. Next thing you know, they fly right over to us, and that was a marion turkey. These eastern turkeys, by golly, is a lot tougher, I think. You know, your marion turkey to me is a lot easier to kill, and your real grand's easier to kill than the than the than the eastern. But uphill, there's an old man told me something I'll never forget. He said, "Son, when a turkey is on a hill and he's facing towards you and he's out of shooting range, if you'll shoot, he'll fly right over you." I said, "Bull!" I tried that one time. That turkey flew right over me. And he was pointed my way. I shot. Boom. He flew right over my head. I ain't gonna tell you I killed him now, but he, that's what that turkey done. And, but anyway, it's so many variables in turkey hunting. My gosh, what works today might not work tomorrow. That's why I say you can't reach write your speech out and expect to go right by what the next day what you thought of in bed that night. So you'll change your speech every time. Most most of the time you will. I, I, in my life, I've hunted lots of times. I like don't have many days I've hunted the last 50, 65 years or 67 years. But I can tell you one thing, I've never seen one too easy. My gosh, I, I appreciate them easy turkeys. Uh, you know, y'all have asked some good questions. Any other questions? 
Yes, sir. I, I get two things. One, the uh, quail call. About 40 years ago, I talked with you in Atlanta. How many years ago? About 40 years ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I asked you about that call, and you, you didn't have any, but you looked in your briefcase, and you had one, and you sold it to me. But I can't, I'm not as good on it as you are. Well, I'll buy it back from you. <laughs> what you did for the, the other thing, you used to sell a latex, yellow and green, in a packet. Yes. And then all of a sudden I couldn't find that anymore. Is, is it because the latex is hard to find? Or, or do you actually sell it anymore? And not really. If you come by the booth after you get through, I'll give you a piece. Okay. How's that? Yeah. All right. I'm going to set it. I'll give it to you. Because it, it made a difference for me with the two. All right. Yes, sir. What about the days when you go and you've done your hoot out, you've done your crow call, you've done your quote, you cut at him on your tube, nothing. Tough day. Do you ever encounter those? I've had that happen me lots of times, brother. I have. I mean, I've had that happen lots of times. You know, a turkey is so much more fun to hunt when you hear him gobble. And if you hear that turkey gobble, you'll stay there most of the day. But when he quits gobbling, you know, you're ready to do something else. I, I tell you a big mistake I've watched people do in turkey hunting. You set up on a turkey. And he's gobbling and gobbling and gobbling. And then he just quits. You'll sit there. Instead of getting up, slipping out this way, and going around in a different location like Mark was talking about a while ago, you get up and go right straight to him. And you scare the fool out of him. Don't never do that. If you're going to, if that turkey quits gobbling, get up and change your location. Slip around real easy. And the hunt, before I hunt, you can do that a lot because we've got more heels. And probably where Mark hunts is tougher, but he's thicker. It's a lot thicker down there than it is where I hunt. But go to a different location, and you'd be surprised what the, the turkey, uh, you know, just change the location, what he'll do. I'm surprised I have not had anybody at this show, and I've talked to a lot of people, come up to me and say, what about fanning turkeys? And, you know, I'm surprised at that, you know. Uh, I'm guilty of fanning them, but uh, my favorite way to hunt them is just taking off, running, and gunning. But I don't get to do that a lot. I take a lot of people. I take a lot of children. I take uh, a lot of older people that can't walk. I take them turkey hunting, and I have to get them blind. And, you know, it's no disgrace to take somebody that wants to go turkey hunting and set them blind. It's no disgrace. But uh, I was thinking today, and I think we were talking about Mark, how turkey hunting has changed. You think about it. When I grew up, you didn't have good shotguns. If you had, if you if you had an old single barrel, uh, you was lucky. Now that's been a long time ago. You didn't have calls. You didn't. Have, if somebody had an old Gibson turkey call, did anybody know what an old Gibson turkey call is? <laughs> Buddy, I tell you what, you had something. And uh, now then, come to this show right here today. It's some of the most talented people in the turkey hunting industry is right in this building, building calls. And I went around to every one of them. I've tried to go around to every one of them, look at their stuff, and I'm amazed at the quality of it is. 
And I hope they sell every dead blame piece because these people deserve it. They work hard. Um, they work hard to make this stuff. <coughs> Any other questions? All right. Harold, I, I think I have one of those quill whistles like that. Um, you make the, <coughs> the loud sound on the inhale or on the exhale? It's all inhale. All inhale? Yeah, like. And th that's what makes him gobble, that high pitch sound. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> you need to, don't put that in your pocket and pull it out and do that. I'm serious. I have sucked uh, garbage down my throat because he taught me to take me an hour to get it out. <laughs> but anyway, it, that is effective call. And, you know, I like to try things that, that he don't hear. You know, he hears owl, he hears a crow, but he'll answer them. But that thing right there last year, one or two times, really helped me hunt. I actually had a little hawk call as a reason. Sure, yeah, it's good. And it does the same yeah. thing, but I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. That. By the way, if you want to sell that call back to me for what you gave for it, I'm, I'm here wanting to buy it. I got it from my grandfather's. Yeah. I don't, I don't you making me feel older. <laughs> All right, any other questions? Yes, sir, back there, stand up. So, I've heard y'all saying you hear a lot of people say 10 o'clock in the morning, hens start to go to nest, best time to kill a gobbler. Well, I went down to Mississippi and we have some open fields and it seems like more and more they're going later into the season and holding a lot of hens with them throughout the whole day. To where they're not, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, they still have six or seven hens with them. I know it makes for a tough hunt, but what, what would y'all suggest on, so our season comes in early the 15th of March, I mean, for that first 15 to 20 days, it's, it's hard to catch them without a hand with them, other than a young two-year-old. That, that is a tough question. That's a tough situation. I've been in that situation before, and there's really nothing you can do. You can't walk to them. You can't do anything. You, you're stuck, and you end up, the, the, you, got, you got a couple different chances to do something you know I, I like to try to make something happen sometimes sometimes I'm very patient sometimes I'm not but if if I got somewhere else to go I'll probably go somewhere else and come back and maybe hunt those birds later like in the afternoon or whatever after a while I, I get I kind of feel like they they realize that those hens aren't interested because they're just feeding around and they're just standing there strutting and it may be that showing them a little bit of uh, interest can will, will make them break loose. I've been real aggressive with turkeys like that, and I've had them break loose and come. You know, maybe one. There's always going to be one or two that's going to stay with them ends. Get real aggressive. Maybe you can get those birds to come to you, or one of them, um, or, or soft talk to hens. It's also a big, big deal to know those birds, know where they want to be, where are they going to go. What, if they're going to be in that field all day, which corner do they like the best? All those variables make a big difference because if you say, man, these turkeys are in the middle of that field, and then every evening they go out the back of that field, I'm going to be at the back of that field. That's where I'm going to start. That's where they want to go. It'd be easier to call them that way because they want to go that way anyway. So that's just... It's a tough situation, but that's just a couple options. How many people here use the fan? Has anybody here ever used a fan? That situation right there is deadly. If you see that them hens and two gobblers, if you can get to them and show them that fan, 
your chance of that sucker running right to you is good. I can tell you. Now, if you like it, it's fine. If you don't, it's fine. You know, it's just how you want to hunt. If it's legal, you know, it's legal. And I'm telling you, that's effective. That fan is effective. When he sees that fan, I tell you what I done. I, I, I use a, uh, I made a decoy fan. I took me a gobbler, skinned him, and put him on a board for his breast. Put his red, red in his head and the tail feathers. And you put it out there in them iridescent feathers. That old gobbler, you know, in the spring of the year, how shiny he is. Man alive, it's it's on. A lot of times I'll do just about anything to try to kill a turkey. <laughs> I can tell you that, and, I, and, I, and I, it don't work every time. That, that fan don't, but it'll work a lot of times. And if you if you want a fan, it's fine if it's legal. If you don't, it's fine. You know, hunt your style, hunt the way you want to hunt. Y'all have asked a good question. Any more questions? Yes, sir. So I got a question that kind of goes off that one. So I got this one bird that. I mean, this year will probably be five, and he's hunted the last four years. And he does pretty much the same thing every time we hunt him. He, he roosts over a creek, flies to the center of the field, tries to fan, turns and runs the other way every single time, pretty much. He just wants to see something come out in that field, a hen, uh, and he just will not come any closer. He sticks about 90 yards, and I'm not one to reach out there and try to touch one yeah. 90 yards. So, I mean, are you trying to get back in the woods? Off that field. What state are you hunting in? Georgia. Is it legal to have decoys? Yes, sir. You know, a lot of times that decoy work. You know that it yeah. works. It works more than don't work for me. A decoy does. So you're just going to go ahead and get there early, put a decoy in the field. Absolutely. Now you remember, you said something right there. Round water. You know, I think that a turkey hunter, the more he learns about a wild turkey, why he likes to roost around that water. You need to learn all you can about a wild turkey. Start from the day that sucker's hatched and go right through his life. If you learn all that, I'm telling you, you'll be a better turkey hunter. Now, the situation you're talking about is an old turkey. I don't care what you do. An old turkey, older he gets, the tougher he is. I can tell you, he's just tougher. It's like an old deer. You know, an old buck, you know, he's nocturnal. And uh, that old turkey, you know, he don't come to ever call. He, he won't even come to a live hen sound. You know, that's the way that sucker is. So you you got a tough situation on old turkeys like that. Find you a younger turkey is all I can But uh, y'all asked some good questions. I tell you what, we don't have all the answers, but boy, I've been, over the years, I've run into about every situation you can, and I've had them whoop me about every way they can. All right, one other question here. Yes, sir. Yeah, Eric, just a quick question. Mark kind of touched on this. I mean, these birds are all different. They're, they respond differently. But uh, one hunt that really kind of stands out to me was two years ago in Tennessee. It was a late season hunt. And uh, you could, we could see this bird in the field. And uh, every time you call to him, the hen call, he'd gobble. And he'd just keep gobbling along the way until he was about to go through a gate. So I decided to put a mouth call around the gobble at it. This bird flipped as soon as he come around that gate, and I gobbled to him the entire way. Uh, but for a hen call, he didn't want nothing to do with it, but he wanted to come fight that gobbler. Any thoughts on that? I've heard, you know, a bird late season like that could react that way, but just kind of give your thoughts on that. Well, I tell you what works for me, and, I, and a lot of people 
are scared to gobble. A lot of people don't even think about gobbling. I gobble the turkeys all the time. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real, I, I like realism like we talked about before. So all these people putting decoys out, you putting a, a gobbler or a jake decoy out, they know what it is. They know it's a gobbler. So why would a gobble be any different? All right. So you're instead of giving them the visual, you're giving them the audio. Where I hunt is really thick, and even if I, I don't hunt with decoys a lot, but even if I did, they wouldn't see them. So what I would do is is in the situation like that when I got a bird that's hung up and he won't come to me, I'll gobble at him. And be pretty much the same thing as showing him a fan or showing him a. You're, you're giving him the audio version of that. You know, he's like, oh, there's a gobbler right there. I'm not going to tolerate that, and he's going to come in there. So that's that's one thing. You know, don't be afraid, and that's one reason why I started running a tube call. You know, I I think that there's hardly anything that gobbles better than a tube call, and that's just one more tool in the box you know that's one more thing that that can help you make an unsuccessful hunt successful so I, I wouldn't be scared to gobble now I, I don't just run out there and start gobbling that's kind of a one of maybe the la later things I'll try um, and of course you got to be careful too especially where I'm at like I say it's thick you're in a thicket and you're gobbling you know if you're in a place that other people hunt you know you got to be careful with that but how many people shoot your shotgun before you go turkey hunting this spring? You better. I'm going to tell you something. I test them a lot. I, I really shoot a lot. And I'm a big uh, tungsten fan. Mark, I bet Mark don't even shoot, do you? I, I bet you shoot numbers. Well, I, I, I like it, and it's great. It's the best thing ever for killing turkeys. I'm just old school. Uh, it uses a double barrel. I shoot an old double barrel, and I load my own shells, and I'm shooting low-powered sixes, and I shoot them at 20 yards, and that's just my thing. But you can't beat tungsten for effectiveness. Well, I'm doing a television show with our home state of Kentucky, a field, they call it. And I went in Lexington, Kentucky uh, four or five years ago, and I told them, I said, the coming thing in turkey shells is going to be your tungsten. So they came down and done a show. And they, I said, bring you the 410, bring you 20 and your 12, bring you shells, whatever you want to shoot. I was shooting, uh, I believe, Apex number nine shot, three inch, uh, uh, for a 20 gauge and a 12 gauge. We had a uh, long beard, we shot them all. And when we got through shooting, it was very obvious what they was gonna shoot and what I was gonna shoot. When you, a number nine shot in tungsten is the same weight as a number five in lead. Remember that. But you've got several hundred more of them. I don't know how many hundred, it depends on your load. And, and I'm finding out so much stuff on chokes. <coughs> You know, I was shooting the modified, and I think this year I'm going to improve cylinder. And 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 I don't advocate shooting turkeys out there no 75 yards. But I can tell you one thing: some through that thick stuff that come up to me and peek their head up and look, not coming at 45, 50 yards, I can kill them that tungsten. 
and shoot your gun because all shells shoot different. I find that out. Temperature variations too in the climate where you're shooting. I'm sorry? Temperature variations. Yeah. Yeah. 60 degrees out, 40 degrees That's out. That's exactly right. Some guys want to shoot a gun at 40 degrees, gun shoot totally different. I shoot, I shoot a dot scope. A Vortec Optics is, is very good to me and I shoot their product and I'm going to tell you something, that thing has helped me and a lot of people that I take hunting more than anything. Because a lot of these guns, people don't shoot straight. You, I guarantee you, you get a, a, most of them don't. You go out there and shoot them. You shoot high, low, left, or right. With that little dot scope, you can line that thing up right on. And, uh, and I believe in that. And uh, don't, I hate, boy. I had a guy come to me last year and said, I ain't paying no $8 for no turkey shell. <laughs> he come back from turkey hunting and he's had a face that long. He said, I shot one, let him get away. I said, you'd have paid $20 for shell, wouldn't you? He said, yes, I would. <laughs> so, but it's not, you know, you're not dove hunting, turkey hunting. You know, box shell's going to cost you $40, $50, $60. But I'm going to tell you something, they are good. Will a long beard kill one or a regular shot? Yes, it will. I've killed hundreds of them with it over the years. But I'm going to tell you, they've improved them tremendously. I do not use a 12 gauge anymore. I use a 20 or a 410. And that's how much more effective these guns and shells are now over when I started. When I started, listen, I had seven brothers. Or not six brothers, seven of us. Buddy, you had to hide your shells to have one to turkey hunt in the spring. And there was old paper shells in. I've told people this a lot of time, and I'd hide mine and get down, couldn't get them in a gun, had to sand them down. And there wasn't no count again with this little light load shell, but that's all I had. Now then, uh, you know, these kids and hunters have got all this, these guns, shells, clothes, my gosh. And I tell you something else, at home I see so many kids go turkey hunting, and I love to see the young hunt, but they feel like they defeated, they failed if they don't kill a turkey every day. Listen folks, if I seen a turkey track or heard one gobble, it made my year when I was a kid. And don't feel that way. Learn to enjoy what you're doing. Don't put the pressure on you. Go out there and enjoy it. My gosh, it's a great sport for women and men and children. It, you know, lots of kids is hunting turkeys killing them at seven, eight, nine years old. You know, I, I couldn't, I didn't even know how to shoot a gun at seven years old. I had a slingshot, a flip when I'd done it, but. <laughs> all right, any other questions? We're about to round this thing. All right, yes, sir, back here. Uh, I got two questions. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the places I hunt, uh, it's about feeding turkey. The acres are all the way covered. Do you believe that they have, turkey have a memory from year to year to Know what oak? Know what oaks produce? Do you believe they have the capability and have the memory to remember where where food is? I believe wildlife has the ability to survive, and I believe that that they know what what to eat and what. Now, I'm not saying they sitting there and they look at their calendar and say well it's time to go to that old live oak on the ridge over there because they seems like 
it's 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 almost making me wonder like they have a memory they got a memory it almost makes you think a turkey can smell I think it's all in God's plan why did the why did the ducks fly south for the winter how do they know where to go where do they all all these things happen because it's it's that's just the way everything works does anybody think a turkey can smell Dr. Tom, huh? <laughs> do what? That Dr. Tom, that's it. Yeah. You know what? It's amazing me how they can uh, find stuff. Uh, it amazes me. I asked that question one time. A guy said, I know he can smell. If you hang him up in a tree on a hot day, three days in a row, he'll smell. <laughs> but anyway, any, but anyway, we're gonna have to. Any other? We're gonna take one more question, and then we got a yes, sir, and back. With both of y'all's experience with two calls and how long you've been messing with them, have you guys ever put any cuts in your latex? Like a, like a cut in yeah. a mouth call or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've put two reeds on them. I've cut them all different ways. And, and you know, Mr. Harold's taught me, you know, all that kind of stuff over the years. You, there's a lot of things you can do. You know, I've messed up a lot of latex, and I've... I've uh, you know, experimented and tried different things, but he still runs cuts in his a lot. Yeah, I take a cut every time. It makes it just a little more raspy. That's what a cut will do to a call. And I don't like to take a, the membrane and really tight. I like it just a little loose. It gives you a, just a better sound, I think. Y'all asked a good question. You've been a good audience. I tell you what, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come to uh, Helen, Georgia, and I, I'll say this, I go to a lot of places and I stay in a lot of places. This hotel here is nice. Uh, we're supposed to have the number one state park in the state of Kentucky where I live, but I'm going to tell you something. This is much, much more clean and better, I'm going to tell you that. It's the hat's off to this state park here, and this is this show right here is, is remarkable. I'm going to tell you something. I've really enjoyed talk. I've seen so many people I've known over the years, call makers, and I'm going to tell you something. Us turkey hunters and call makers or whoever, we don't need to be running each other down and running the product down. You need to be all together. We are a sh very small group of hunters. We need to hold up for one another. And by gosh, stand up for hunting. Don't be afraid to tell people that you're a hunter. And uh, it's, it's, I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's a lot of people in this country now that want to take our hunting privilege away from us. And if they get half a chance, they will. By gosh, when you go to the poll and know who you're voting for, I don't care, just vote. Go and vote these uh, people out. Because I'm going to tell you something. Us hunters got a tough way to go, I think, in the future. But anyway... This has been such a great show. I've enjoyed talking to all of you. And, uh, and of course, I always like to be a Mark. Mark's one of my favorite people in the world. And I still say he's the best caller all around. You got anything to say, Mark? No, I appreciate it. I enjoy coming here every year and uh, appreciate what Mark Sharp and, and them are right. doing. It, it's, a, it's a lot to put this show on. And uh, to, to see the amount of people that was here this year and every. Seems like everybody's pretty healthy and everything's good. That's all we can really ask for and glad to see everybody. And if anybody has any more questions or anything yeah. after, come by the booth. Yeah. See y'all later at the National Wild Turkey Convention.
I could call like either one of those guys just for a day, I'd, that'd be well a day during turkey season. That would be awesome. You know, like sometimes nostalgia kind of kicks in, and you have to think like with this podcast, all of the data and recordings you and I have done, and specifically you in this case, in 50 years when we're probably all gone. That's going to be cool if that's still out there on the internet, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, because those are two legends right there, in my mind. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, It's just awesome to know that that's preserved, and hopefully everybody gleaned some knowledge from that. And Those two guys, you know, if you're listening to this on Thursday, they're doing a similar seminar in person at the convention this weekend, right? That's correct. Yeah, I believe it's Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me, but I believe that's right. Yeah, so if you like that and you want to go talk to Harold or Mark or go listen to them, make sure you go to their seminar. I, I think I went to it two years ago. It was fantastic. I mean, yeah. how, how could it not be? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, you might just see me and Cameron there if you go yeah, this year. Yeah, it's possible. It is possible. Sometimes we divide and conquer. Sometimes we both go to the same one. Sometimes we don't go at all. So we will be there. Contact us. I have my email is Cameron.Weddington at gmail.com. Or you can contact me on Instagram at Cameron Weddington. And make sure you contact us. Also, before I forget, when you hear this, not the Saturday at convention, but the weekend after. So February 24th is our huge conservation dinner and gun bash here in west tennessee so if you are a tennessean north mississippian east arkansas south kentuckian southeast missourian or anyone (laughs) else who wants to drive over here this you don't want to miss this the conservation dinner and gun bash on february 24th is going to be at madison downs venue in jackson tennessee we're having a cocktail hour and turkey talk with the turkey coordinator for tennessee and jason lapartis who's the head of finance for turkeys for tomorrow from 5 p.m to 6 p.m and then we're having the dinner and gun bash from 6 to 9 p.m it's gonna be nuts we got 20 some odd guns gonna be there we've got i mean auction items from a dove and hog hunt in texas to a four-man african safari with two animals apiece up for grabs we got all, all kind of stuff so you're gonna want to be there we're gonna have 20 dollar bottomless drink good food it's gonna be an absolute blast so that's gonna be next saturday the 24th madison downs jackson tennessee please come hang out with us it's gonna be a great way to kick off turkey season yeah and i'm tempted to bring back my two rios from next week and hang them on each side of the door for everybody to see when they walk in Ooh. <laughs> Man, that's brutal. That'd be a slap in the face, wouldn't it? Why would you do that to the poor losers out there who didn't win? Oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah, motivation to to buy more tickets next year, I guess. Well, and here we are talking trash before we've ever stepped foot on the plane or stepped boot on the ground. And so I hope the turkey gods know that we're just joking around. Yeah, I yeah. I fully expect to miss both the ones I'm supposed to kill anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, but seriously, if any Tennesseans are listening to this, would love to see you or anybody you know in the surrounding area. If you want to come up, 
five to six cocktail hour and turkey talk six to nine we'll be having the dinner and gun bash it's gonna be a blast yeah so that sounds like a good time yeah it's gonna be awesome we're we've sold all the sponsor tables we're gonna do and i'm pretty interested to see how much we get for this african safari i mean i feel like that's pretty sweet four four people with two animals apiece for nine days and yeah. you have the option to buy more animals you know once you're there but well what's all you gonna think about you going to africa <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think I'll be winning that one. <laughs> well, you never know. Once the old bourbon starts to flow. Yeah, that's right. If I hit the twenty dollar cup, might uh, might be, have me an African safari, a dove and all hunt in Texas, my gator hunt in Florida. <laughs> be doing good. And hey, we're also gonna have a. This is cool. A Gould's turkey hunt in Mexico for this spring. So you can buy wow. it at our auction and go hunt Gould's in May early may man that's fantastic that's a heck of an opportunity right there heck yeah i mean good luck going and get you a gould's guide right now for this spring yeah i mean seriously or pretty much any guide they're all going to be booked up by now for this year so yeah anyway pretty cool stuff Uh, i'm serious it's going to be a it's going to be a blast you don't want to miss it if you're around here awesome well good good deal. deal man you gotta i mean that can be the favor of the week or if you want to have a favor for all the other ones that aren't right here by tennessee hit them with it very quickly trap Boom. the end there you go the season is here go catch a coon i like it yep all right let's wrap this thing up and put a wrap bow it on it so i can finish putting my yes full strut boxer shorts in my suitcase upstairs <laughs> from the merch store. the shopify link in the yeah. show notes <laughs> And they are awesome, too. We've sold several of those, and I, I just got them in this week. Got Tammy to wash them. So you never know. You come up to me at convention and ask me if I'm wearing the magic drawers. I, I will not show them. Oh, darn. So you'll have to go online to see what they look like, go to the store and see what they look like. But they are awesome. Yeah. I yeah. got to tell you, the, the tri-blend tea we got on there, too, that's one comfortable shirt. It yeah, is. it is. That's what I'll be sporting at the convention. So Sweet. wrap it on up, man. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again in Nashville. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.